Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Also, we'd like to thank our patrons on Patreon, such as John Donna, Stephanie L., and Terry Needleman. They are financially providing for us on patreon.com slash musicalswithcheese. And for that, they are getting a few extra special features that aren't available to the public. You can support us on Patreon as well, but it is not required. But if you have a free few dollars and you want to throw them our way, feel free to support us on Patreon. All right, folks, let's get you on to the real show. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. And today, we have an extra special guest. Oh my god, so <laughs> special. They've, they were on Ellen, it's so great. <laughs> um, it is impressionist, actress, singer, performer, everything. Christina Bianco. Hi guys! <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I'm we so happy you're this? here. Yes, that's so great. Thank the you, one person. Great. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was just me. There's other people applauding. You just can't hear them. It's this isn't live, so that's fine. No, it's all right. I don't I I love to perform, but I don't need a full audience. Just just a lovely lovely person to have a conversation with. I'm so humble too. So humble. I just need one person and I can talk for 20 others. That's basically what it is with me. Oh, but it's great. And Christina, you decided on the musical we're talking about today. And what is that musical? It's Gypsy. And I can't not talk about Gypsy. It's one like Hello Dolly. It's one of those like diva shows where everybody, you know, wants to play Mama Rose. Everybody has a favorite Mama Rose. And it's it's just one of those shows where it's iconic and nobody really um, has asked me about the show before. So I thought it'd be an interesting topic for today. Yeah. And like you do basically every Mama Rose as a voice, but you have I've never found a single recording of you singing like Rose's turn. Or I know. I know. So there's this one song um, that I, I spoof the end. If I may, if I may, you know, um, this song somebody wrote, uh, the Regano brothers wrote a great song for me called What Makes a Diva. And so we we spoofed it at the end of that. And that was really early in my sort of, um, you know, Christina Bianco solo show, <laughs> uh, you know, world. And so I didn't want to belabor it and do it again and again. And then there are so many incredible impressionists out there. And I'm particularly thinking of Christine Petty, who does a lot of the people. She is a great Ethel Merman and she does a great Angela Lansbury. I dabble in Merman. I don't do Angela Lansbury. So um, I sort of left it up to her. But then, of course, with Patty and Bernadette and Bette Midler, that's sort of my wheelhouse. So I know I really should have done it by now. Maybe maybe I'll give it, try it before this podcast is over. We'll you live know. on our show. It's so, got to wait till the end to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give you a reason to keep listening. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Gypsy is a 1959 musical with music by Julie Stein, Jewel Stein, and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, and a book by Arthur Lawrence. It's loosely based on the 1957 memoirs of Gypsy Rose Lee, the famous striptease artist, and focused mostly on her mother Rose, whose name has become synonymous with the ultimate show business mother, the original Mama June. It follows the dreams and efforts of Rose to raise her two daughters to perform on stage and cast an affectionate eye on the hardships of show business life. Also, it shows the rise and fall of vaudeville throughout it. The character of Louise is based on Lee, and the character of June is based on Lee's sister, the actress June Havoc. So, it went on to be, like, very well acclaimed. The original production starred Ethel Merman, and since then, almost every leading lady on, like, the theater world has played Mama Rose since. And it's crazy, like, staple of musical theater history, where... Like, even Ben Brantley is saying it's the greatest of all American musicals, and everyone has good things to say about this show. And 
unlike West Side Story, it feels very Sontimian. Like, despite him just doing the lyrics, it feels like a Stephen Sondheim show. Christina, what is your <laughs> personal... Like, yes, mm-hmm. very what serious. Is... <laughs> we got through all that history. Now, what is your personal history with Gypsy? When did you first listen or watch it or see it? And how did it enter your life? Well, I'm one of those little girls that never got cast in Gypsy. I remember there was this one production. I grew up in Rockland County, New York, and there was this one production. I can't remember where in Westchester, and I was never. I was never auditioning for Dainty June or Baby June. I just I don't know why I didn't think the blonde cutesy thing was for me. I definitely saw myself as more as a Louise, and so I went for like little Louise. And I was. This sounds so funny because it's a story of my life. Like I'm too short. Like I was the perfect size for little Dainty June, but I wasn't the right type for Dainty June or Baby June. And then I was always too short for Louise. So I never got cast in the show. So I, my memories of it at first was like, oh, Gypsy, because it was that show that like every girl had in their resume, but me. Um, but then of course, in, as I got older, you started looking at, you know, you, you watch those musicals and you listen to those musicals with, with new eyes because you get the layers of it and the true story. And then you start to relate to the other characters, not the kids. So I remember I was watching, um, I had of course seen the Rosalind Russell film and I liked it and I saw it, but it was Bette Midler's TV version that absolutely blew my mind. And that was when I completely fell in love with Gypsy anew. That was when I understood it. And I just felt like I can't, I know I'm not going to say any favorites here. I can't say who I like or dislike or whatever, but I could say that I do think that Bette Midler is to me the most fitting, and that's the word I'll use, the most fitting Mama Rose. And it's true. I mean, even Gypsy Rosalie's son is the one who said Bette Midler should be the one to play it. Like it's, it's definitely accurate. Uh, we don't know everything about her personality, obviously. And we know in, in sort of in, in stature and in, in appearance, she was probably more similar to Bernadette Peters than any of the others. But Bette Midler for me was just amazing. And I thought that movie was done beautifully. And that was when I, when I loved it again. And I just, oh, Gypsy, I just appreciated that. It was, it, I don't know why. I also don't, don't typically... Um, love televised, or I should say, um, filmed musicals. I love the real thing. Like, I even with the exception of, I think, Grease and The Sound of Music and these shows that I definitely saw the movie of before I saw them on stage. The exception of those, I don't really love any sort of, well, I shouldn't say any, but I don't really love the movie musicals as much as I love seeing them live on stage. But that gypsy knocked my socks off. It's my personal favorite. Mm-hmm. So while you wouldn't say that Bette Midler is the best Mama Rose, she is your Mama Rose. Like, we all have ours. Yeah, I think that that's because that's the one that really hit me. And I just think if there was ever a part for her, that was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and, she's and, funny, too. I think people forget that oh, yeah. like, Mama Rose has to be funny. And I think, sorry if I'm going jumping ahead now, but like, you know. No worries. I, I, I'm, as ever, it's no secret that I, of course, love Bernadette Peters and Patty Lapone. And like, people always say like, oh, Bernadette's so serious. I'm like, serious? Like, Sunday in the Park with George, she's hilarious as well as serious. In Into the Woods, she's hilarious. Mac and Mabel, she's hilarious. Yes, all of these shows end up with death and destruction somehow, but she is always so funny. And that's something that I like in what she brought to the part, you know, and Bette Midler is known for being uh, absolutely hilarious and heartbreaking at the same time. So I love the Mama Roses that can add the bit of comedy. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, this is your first time watching Gypsy. What is your yeah. initial, you literally watched it just a few hours ago. What is your initial reaction coming out of it? Well, I watched it yesterday. Okay. Let's I mean, say, that's a on, few hours ago. <laughs> Well, I was always the perfect height for Louise, so I will say that. Um, you do look like a back of a cow, I will say. Hey. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was too short to be the back of a cow. Like, I should put that on my resume. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt to make it about me. Please. Please keep going. Please keep going. I'm just thinking into my chair over Jess, here. our guest is like a total diva. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's wonderful. I love it. I I liked it a lot. <laughs> I know I say that a lot, but yeah, I mean, it's just it was very good. He's bringing the insight. 
I'm bringing the insight over here. Now, I'm not here for insight. I'm just here for gut reactions, okay? That's why we bring Christina on, because she's got that emotional connection. She's got the insight. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have hardly said anything, and I'm already causing problems. All right, so tell us, tell us more about what you thought when you saw it for the first time. When I saw it for the first time, I didn't know what to expect, because I actually didn't know what it was about at all. And with the name Gypsy, I was like, well, it's about, like, what, traveling gypsies or something? <laughs> which, which has been an issue recently. People are bringing up that the title is problematic, despite it being literally someone's name. It's unbelievable, because I think that the people have to put things into perspective. I mean, this is a piece of history. It's a period piece. And that is the name that they used not only for the character, but that way of life was called the gypsy lifestyle. It's, it might be uh, offensive now if used in a certain way, but this is, this is historic and you have to, you have to honor that in my opinion. I mean, yes, I agree. But then again, uh, go into a very more extreme example and just to play devil's advocate as much as I hate to do that. um, If there was a show that just, had the N word in it and it meant Holy something shit. differently. That's different pretty far. Then. Okay. I mean, yeah, yes, that's I, get, I get what you're saying, and it's, it's, it's a matter. Obviously, it's a case by case basis. Right. Well, maybe that word. one would be a little too far. I think. <laughs> it's an extreme example, but like I've heard comparisons made to like that, where I'm like, because I'm com- I'm completely of that thought of like eh, it's a different name, it meant something different, and all that. And then they're like, but what if it was like this, and it meant something different? It was a different time. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Threw that wrench into that whole conversation. Well, welcome back to Musicals with Cheese, where Jess says the N word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be on the news, aren't I? Oh God. Oh boy, this is a problem. Right. No, no, <laughs> we're not. <laughs> Oh okay. Let me talk about my first Mama Rose then. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, go ahead. My first experience with Gypsy was when I was in um, a theater camp and they performed together wherever we go. And I just love that song and I would giggle every time there's like that third mind rhyme of like the third one is Amigos and that always made me giggle. Right. And so I was like, what show is this? And I grew up much many years later and watched the Tonys from, I believe, 2008. And I saw Patti Lapone sing that song. And I'm like, that's my childhood song. Yeah. I want this show. And so Patti Lapone has always been my first Mama Rose. And that's, um, and that's one of the more recent ones. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> cool. So Patty is my Mama Rose. Yeah, no, I listen, I know people that have seen many and she's still their favorite or, or at least the one that they were the most excited about and it gave the biggest, you know, impact or whatever. So it's everyone's got their their Mama Rose. That's funny. I know lots of people have that crazy battle, you know, the Bernadette versus Patty battle. And for me, I deal with it a lot. Like, I, I love both of them um, for very different reasons. I mean, they're both petite Italian women from New York. Like, how am I not supposed to love both of these women? Uh, <laughs> but um, for me, I, you sort of, I don't know. There, there's something I identify with um, with Bernadette Peters. And maybe it was me rooting for the underdog. Like, nobody thought that she was going to be uh, able to do Mama Rose because she's not known for being so quote unquote, I guess, tough. Everyone thinks of Mama Rose as like really tough, like Ethel Merman's really punchy and really loud and very demonstrative. And so is Bette Midler. Um, but then, you know, if, if you go back and you read what Mama Rose really was about and what, how, sort of her manner and her, in her frame, her petite stature and all that, like she really was very close to Bernadette Peters. And it's also a little more believable that she could have done it herself. Like the, the, the whole thing is that she, it, she wished it was her. She thinks that she could do it. She's living through her children. And with Bernadette Peters, you could totally see that she could have been that star. So it just added a different layer to me. And I, I liked um, some of the nuance and subtlety she brought, which usually you don't get in a Mama Rose. I mean, the, the, the most recent version that I saw uh, live was I, I got to see Imelda Staunton do it in London. And I was, it was amazing because it was very different and again, there's an example of how I watched it in person. And then when they aired the telecast, it was so different. It seemed like a totally different show. Just because you're watching the close-ups they're choosing and you're watching the way that they're shooting at wars when you're watching the whole thing, of course, live, uh, it gives you a very different feel. But um, And to me, I think Imelda Staunton is, is absolutely brilliant. Another very petite actress, might I add. Um, all these little ladies with the big voices, I love it. Um, maybe one day I too will... 
play Mama Rose with the, if I'm, if I'm going with the right trajectory of all the short belters. Um, but I think that uh, Imelda Staunton, for me, that they directed her to do something that I found, and we can, I mean, you might disagree with me on this, this can be a little dangerous and you have to play it really carefully. She started, if you're like, if you're talking about emotional journeys from one to 10, she started the show at a nine. So when you start the show in a nine and there's not a lot of humor and there's not a lot of like pauses, it's all high stakes. But by the time she gets to Rose's turn, you run the risk of people being like, well, I've seen this for two hours. Like, where do you go from here? And I think that what I saw live worked better to me than what I saw on the telecast. You know what I mean? You get to see, I don't know. It's just interesting. I think if, if Mama Rose is too harsh off the bat that, um, you run the risk of making her well seem seem like a bully or a villain as opposed to somebody who really, really is just filled with love and 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 too much too much love and too much care and 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 too much drive. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's it's very interesting. I always I'm always drawn to even when I see people just perform the songs in concert, like the symphony orchestras and, and all that. Uh, all the different places where you can choose to you know sing the music as it's written but maybe sometimes go against um, what you'd think for a certain phrase or line. And I'm babbling like a crazy person, but that's what I liked about what Bernadette Peters brought to the role. It was very different, very unexpected. And you certainly um, weren't, quote unquote, hit over the head with the uh, aggressive, abrasive nature of Mama Rose until very much later in the show. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't usually bring up like different performers, but Mama Rose is like her own different category. So I think it's apt. Um, but in a very similar way to your thoughts on Imelda Staunton and how she started at a nine and there was not much way to go up there. There is a directorial choice with Bernadette that I'm not sure I 100% agreed with as I didn't feel like the text supported it which was the fact that she was driven by the fact that she had a stage mother and all that, um, which was very much what Sam Mendes told Bernadette to perform it as, which I feel like was is different, but I feel like the text doesn't support it enough that I feel it's effective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, com- I completely get that. And I, I know that's the thing. When, when you're doing a show that is so um, well overdone and I don't mean overdone on Broadway but like think of every community and regional theater and high school production and college production like Gypsy is done all the time how do you bring something new to it if you're a director how do you put make a different take um and so yeah not everyone's gonna is gonna go for that um and even I'm not sure I quote unquote go for that but I I do if I do like where maybe some of that thought process having that as a foundation led you know Bernadette to make some where it led her. I, I enjoy that. Um, but I know I'm in the minority there. <laughs> and you're not you're not wrong. It's just like different opinions. But speaking of different opinions, a lot yeah. of people try <laughs> to talk about <laughs> how the character of Rose is a monster and how cruel that she is. Um, my question to both of you is like, why do you think so many people see her that way? Because I see her as super like relatable andrew i'm gonna make you start this time i want you to elaborate why you think whether or not she's a monster or whether or not she is um completely damaging to these children or if she's just loving in a way that isn't quite what we find the normal i think she's just um straight up i mean obviously she's living through her kids Mm -hmm. um which is not a good thing to do uh and i think this show is just a testament to that (laughs) Um, it just makes her push her kids way too hard and bring them to situations they don't want to be into. Um, and she's doing it for selfish reasons, not because of her actual children, which is why I think some people might see her as a monster. Um, because really she's doing it for herself, not for her kids, really. Hmm. See, I don't agree with that. (laughs) Okay. I don't think, I mean, like, again, I, I think that, I, I think that she is so driven by her children. I mean, I mean, selfish reasons. Wait, actually, I'm going to backtrack and say, I don't, not that I don't agree with what you're saying, but I would, I would word it differently because I think saying that she's doing it all for selfish reasons is only part of it because she wants to do these things for her kids because she knows that their lives would be 
pretty much boring, pathetic, and 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 they they'd be more aware of the fact that they had so little if they didn't try to do these great things and have something to look forward to in another city, another location, another opportunity. And I think that's as much for her as it is for her kids. And I think the fact that she, you know, then reaches out and tries to get these other kids, all the boys, the newsboys that don't really have places to go. I think that shows that she's not selfish. I think that shows that she's, um, just trying, trying, trying so hard to build something. But I think she, the, the, the piece of her that interests me is where she loses sight of that, where she's got tunnel vision and is thinking about the future and the future and all these grand things for herself, but also for the kids. And then doesn't actually see what's going on around her and doesn't see that they're not all happy and that they are too old and that they want other things in life now. And I think it's, I think it's the fact that she gets carried away and, and where and when and how she gets carried away that makes her interesting. Well, I think I, I would almost disagree, though, because she gets very, very upset when her kids decide that they actually are successful in something else. Like when June leaves, she's upset. And then when uh, yeah. Louise actually becomes a success, she's upset. And it's like, okay, well, you want, so you want to be successful, but only if you're involved. Um. Yeah, well, I thought that, that that's what makes her so complex and so wonderful, because I think she's incredibly proud of her daughter and knows that her daughter wouldn't be capable of those things uh, and to rise to the fame that she rose to if um, mama hadn't pushed her. But it, that, it's that thing when she, she also never envisioned her daughter stripping. So it's also, a bit, I think it's very complex and very layered. And that's why everybody wants to sink their teeth into that role. Because if she was just an ogre, nobody would watch the show. And if she was just a sweetheart, nobody would watch the show. It wouldn't be what it is if she wasn't flawed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the thing that makes her like, where I understand the monster side of it and like that side of it is the way that she treats Louise specifically. The fact that she does have that favoritism is probably her worst trait. Like despite the stage, stage mom thing, it is the abhorrent way that she treats Louise as the second tier, the second one, the not as talented one. Yes, that's true. I mean, part of it comes from the fact that Louise was not talented, um, but that doesn't make it right. <laughs> she treats her. Uh, she was incredibly think... talented. I mean, just at different things. But then you got the <laughs> the fact is, Mama Rose can't envision anyone in the world not wanting to be a star, which is baffling to me because like a lot of people don't want that. And Louise does have talent. It's just not in the way that Mama Rose sees as valuable, which is her sewing, which everyone claims is incredible, especially the strippers. Right. Yeah. And, th- and it's, it's hysterical that that's this, the thing that sort of helps her and gets her <laughs> where she is, the sewing. It's unbelievable. But yeah, I, again, it's, it's really, uh, again, if, if it was cut and dry, if it was just a regular boy meets girl, girl has nice mama sort of show, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the classic that it is. I think having those conflicted feelings for her, is, is what makes the role so great. And even if you look at the questions that she asks, like the actual questions that she asks herself in Rose's turn, I mean, it's give him love and what does it get you? Like she really means that. She loves those kids. You know, thanks a lot and out with the garbage. Like she, she wants them to love her. Um, and yes, she wants some credit for it. Of course she does. But I, I think it's, I, I, I think if she's not doing it for love, and for a better tomorrow for herself and the kids, then she's just an ogre. And that's why I don't see her as an ogre. I see her as, as somebody who wants it all and tries desperately to have it all. I can't envision this as love is the thing. The only thing Ooh. that Rose loves above everything else in the world is show business. Oh, I disagree. Above but her daughters, above her husband, above anything that they want, show business must always come first. Hmm. They almost yeah. got out, and she just had to bring him back. No, you know what? That's okay. I, I, we all see it differently, and that's that's the beauty of a show. Like uh, this. One more point to her being a monster: she did write that show uh, about the cow, <laughs> um, which is pretty monstrous, in my opinion. She is very creative. You know, <laughs> <laughs> moo moo moo. I have a moo cow, a new cow, a true cow named Caroline. Moo 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 moo. She's an extra special. 
guys understand like the metaphor of that song though? Yes, oh uh, it's a it's about it's about uh, June, like for reals, right? Well, kind of, well, the cow is supposed to represent the mother, you know, the milk giver. Yes. Where no, I'm not gonna go off and do my own thing. I'm gonna stay with the cow. <laughs> and then she doesn't stay with the cow. Well, we all knew that was gonna happen, didn't we? <laughs> and in a very subtle way, like in this story, then this is like the best book musical ever written, like structural wise. At the end of Act One, when both Louise and and Mama Rose are at their lowest point. Louise lost the guy that she, like, the one thing, the, right. I think Tulsa was his name. Yeah. She lost him and her sister, the two things that were keeping her sane, and Rose lost her superstardom. Yes. And that's just, like, the fact that this show is structured so perfectly, like, baffled. Like, this is a show I forget how amazing it is until I watch it again. <laughs> Well, it's the reason so many people say it is the greatest American musical. And it, again, because it's so complex and because it has so many ups and downs that are so beautifully constructed to make multiple arcs in the show. It's not just, you know, oh, the, the conflict only exists at the end of Act One. I mean, there's been a lot of conflict leading up to that moment. And then, you know, from there, if that's the low point for, for or seemingly at that point, the low point for both of them, then it's going to catapult her to do something even more crazy at the top of the next act moving forward. So it's, 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 it's done beautifully, but everything's coming up roses is such a great moment. And I, again, it's, it all, it's all on how it's presented and how it's performed and how it's directed. And that number could be very much played where Rose is having these ideas and she's almost persuading herself of them. The whole time, or it could be played um, much like in the Patty Lapone version, where she's just absolutely tunnel vision, kind of crazy about this, demanding this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and then you, you have I remember I remember the shot in the Tonys watching Laura Benanti and Boyd Gaines clutching each other, looking absolutely terrified, <laughs> and it's like to have the visual of them looking at her as if she's a crazy demonic freak of nature is definitely puts you is in the audience in a different frame of mind watching that Mama Rose than you would be watching, let's say, the Bette Midler one where she looks like she's sort of having ideas about it. Like, it's all about the same text, same music, but how are you acting it? How are you presenting it? And what, what, what have you seen in the show thus far that leads you to feel the way that you're feeling? And that's why, you know, you might think she's a total ogre and I don't. It's because I've seen maybe different interpretations of it that have given me something different. So it's just freaking fantastic. Speaking of different interpretations, do you want to talk about the ending and like how different that is done in almost every single production? Yeah. Well, I mean, considering that it has to be the same in that it's on the soundstage and you've got the, I mean, it's on the, the empty stage and you've got the lights coming down and it's just her. Um, yeah. Everybody's um, interpretation of Rose's turn is, is well, it's what everybody waits for, isn't it? It's that special moment because the moment is almost bigger than the actual performance. Like you're waiting for it when the show starts. And that's why I said it's very um, interesting. Like what, when I watched the Imelda Staunton one, I found myself going, where the hell is she going to go with Rose's turn? And of course she did some really interesting things with it to, to, to make it interesting. Like I said, when you start at, you start at nine, you want to go to 10. It's like, but I've got two hours to get there. Um, and my, And again, here I go, just being a little diva here. But Bernadette Peters' performance of Rose's turn, and particularly the one on the Tonys, I freaking love it. I love that she really took the time to have those quiet moments, those soft moments, where you could tell that she was conflicted. And if you gentlemen have not watched it, I think you should absolutely just YouTube Bernadette Peters' Rose's turn, the Tonys. It is so layered it's so layered. And I think you, instead of just reading the lyrics and the person is just angry the whole time or saying, I wish it was me, me for me the whole time, you get like 12 different um, approaches within this one song, 12 different, uh, all the feels. It gives you all the feels, gentlemen. It gives you everything. And I, I love that. Not everybody else will, but I love that it, it took me somewhere different for the Rose's term than I've ever seen. 
Well, I feel the same way, but with Imelda Staunton, where oh, yeah. it feels like she's in agony getting every word out. And that pause right before she says, Mama's got to go home. It, is, it looks like the oh, words yeah. are physically hurting her to come out yeah, of her I, face. When, when she says, Mama's got to let go, you're like, home. Oh, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I mean, like, exactly. So it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that her version is is right or wrong or Bernadette's version is right or wrong, but that's how good the material is. Like you can really take the same lines and interpret them so differently. And it's, that's, it's just, it's a really um, unique thing when an actress gets to sink their teeth into something like that and make it their own. You think, gosh, how many ways can you do this when it's been done so many times, but there's always a way. And it's, you know, even those actresses will do it differently every night because that's what live theater is all about. Mm hmm. But the ending specifically, depending on the director, is insanely like the last moment, I mean, like in the original production, it ends like on a triumphant note of like, hey, let's move on with our lives, mother and daughter. Um, the And the Patti Lapone Lara Benanti version, um, literally, um, Louise just laughs in her face and walks off stage, leaving her alone. Yeah, it was really dark. <laughs> really dark. So, like, just, like, the addition of small things can make the ending and how it feels without changing a line of dialogue, mm-hmm. like, can change it entirely. Absolutely. And that's that's where the, the direction and the show concept comes in as well. Because if you're painting her as a, as a really aggressive person, really abrasive is the word I'll use, um, that from the top, top of the show, then you can totally imagine why, you know, Gypsy Rosalie is going to laugh in her face at the end of it like you know and less so in let's say the Bette Midler or the Bernadette Peters version so it's it's um yeah it's 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 a, one of those lovely things where everyone's got their favorite and everyone's got their opinion but it, it's all valid because it just depends on what journey that the that particular creative team is taking you on Okay, so before we go into a mid-show announcement I'm gonna ask you two both a question Andrew I'm gonna let you go first Oh, sure. I love going first. Um, which character do you think is the most, like, sympathetic in that specific situation? Like, which one do you feel like in that situation you related mo- with the most? Uh, in the whole show? Yes. And they're like a little posse. Oh, um... And let's just cut Mama Rose out of this, because obviously she's, like, the lead lead. Like, everyone around her, like Louise, June, um, Herbie, all of them. I think Herbie. You do. I for Herbie the whole time. I was like, oh, Herbie, you got to get out of here, Herbie. You're getting paid? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, see, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand him as much as I do June. I think June is the most relatable um, because June is, knows she's good at what she's good at and st- sticks it out for her, you know, her mother and her sister as long as she can. And is really honest about how like she, she wants to get out of there. And, and she's the one who, I mean, even the fact that she's the one who starts if mama was married, like she, she's the one who's got her head screwed on straight. And which is why she's the first one to, to leave with Tulsa, who is un technically unnecessary in the show and is the best song, the most beautiful moment. And she, and then you realize why he's there. And it's really because of Louise, not June. And it's so beautiful, but yeah. So I think Tulsa, in June are the, are the ones where you're like, oh, well, I get them, you know, <laughs> the most normal. I mean, I think I'm just so sad and pathetic that I understand Herbie. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're I'm very, sorry. You're very, very kind and very selfless, <laughs> very selfless. That's true. That's so true. Yeah. But, but that also makes it great is when he when he finally, quote, quote unquote, you know, when he when he gets a spine and he's, you know, and he's like, he's done. And it's, it's a it's a very huge moment for a, a great supporting role. Mm-hmm. What, do you, but what about you, Jess? I'm Mazeppa. Come on. <laughs> How can we forget about those ladies? <laughs> Come on. If you got a bump and bumper with a trumpet. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't get. Just that doesn't sound like you at all. It doesn't get easier than that. <laughs> that's words, that's literally... words to live by. That's my dream role. What are you talking about? I, I'm gonna, Jess. You're you're like a baby June. No, in all honesty, I'm Louise. Let's be fair. I'm on for the ride. You're a stripper. Um, if if paid if high enough, I could. If the opportunity presented itself, you would you would do it. Oh, yeah. Let me entertain you. (laughs) 
guys, sorry to interrupt you, but today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Today, I'm actually suggesting Shocker Gypsy, a memoir by Gypsy Rosalie, narrated by Meow Meow, who I'm assuming might be connected to the burlesque world. Yep. What do you talk, Meow Meow? Is that what? Yeah, performer. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Look it up. Meow Meow. Yeah. (laughs) Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese for your free audiobook. Let's get back to the real show now. Meow Meow. Let's talk about the music for a bit, because we oh, haven't yeah. touched on the music at all. Uh, Julie Stein's score is just gorgeous. So Sondheim didn't write the music. No, he, he wrote, just wrote the, lyrics. the lyrics. Oh my goodness, I didn't even know that. I thought he did. You need to get up on your musical theater, <laughs> sir. That's that's the point of this uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a uh, I'm not into it too much, sadly. <laughs> that's okay. We're we're happy to educate you. I've I've just been learning all day. But fun fact, I'm sure Christina already knows this, but Sondheim was supposed to do music and lyrics. This was supposed to be his first, like, full-on, like, score lyric. But Ethel Merman refused to do it with a brand new talent because she got screwed over by a couple people and insisted that Julie Stein come on in. And Sondheim was like, I don't want to do it unless unless I'm getting all the credit and doing it all myself. And Oscar Hammerstein was like, go on, do it, kid. Like, when are you going to get a chance to work with a star like Ethel again? Get on yeah. there. Stop, stop whining. So grateful to Oscar Hammerstein because we got this great piece. Mm-hmm. Like, we would not have Rose's turn without Sondheim because he is the father of that. Those lyrics, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's so complex that every single one is, you know, there's always the contradiction in Sondheim lyrics. You say something and it could be interpreted two different ways. You say something else and you pretty much contradict what you said two lines later. But that's what we do as humans. That's how we think. And that's our thought process. And that's what makes it so real. He doesn't just try to put together pretty sentences that rhyme. He really tells the story of the the character. There's a lot of good lyrics in this. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, A lot. If you got to bump and bump it with a trumpet. (laughs) Yeah. All the moo puns? I mean, those are... Wow. <laughs> See, I, my favorite songs in the show aren't the bigger bombastic ones. It's the smaller ones, like You'll Never Get Away From Me and uh, Mr. Goldstone, I Love You. Like, Yeah. That's a good one. I love Little Lamb. I mean, little kids used to sing that just thinking it was just a little girl singing to a lamb. But my gosh, the lyrics are devastating. Devastating. It's just... Uh, it's 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 such a simple, beautiful, childlike melody, and this girl that is absolutely emotionally stunted singing it. Oh, tragic! It was particularly beautiful in the um, in the Laura Benanti. Uh, what the way she did it was particularly beautiful. Little lamb, little lamb, I wonder how. Um, and also all the reprises of May We Entertain You and all the vaudeville routines. On first watch, it's just like, oh, okay, cute vaudeville. On second watch, you're cringing because you know what this vaudeville eventually becomes. Yeah, I think I think watching the the boys and just watching them get older and how it's adorable at first and then it's exhausting. It becomes a chore because they don't love it anymore. And um, it's it's written into the music. It's, it's all written in. And that's what's... Um, that's what's so interesting, because every time you watch it, you get something new. You can sacrifice your sacro, working in the back row, bump in the dump till you're dead. Kid, you gotta get a gift. 
Now, I want to talk about Gotta Get a Gimmick, because that is a very weird song and a very weird placement in the show. Mm-hmm. Where it's just a charming comedy number, like, right before all the shit hits the fan in Act 2. Yeah, it's good I mean, advice. It's technically not... It, I mean, this is obviously debatable, but technically, as far as the plot moving forward, it is not needed. Like, all all I really need is the girl is needed in in that it shows Louise's interaction with Tulsa. But in this, it's not like that number is what inspires, you know, Louise to strip. You know, it's, it really is a pick-me-up, a, a, a theatrical device the 11 o'clock number that's supposed to like pick up the audience and keep them going to the end of the show so in in that respect it shouldn't work as well as it does but boy oh boy did they write a showstopper Mm -hmm. and you need that because it has been so tense like every ounce of you is quenched at this point and you just need that release to like laugh at something because you know things are gonna only get worse what was your gimmick dj um i don't know Hmm. <laughs> what would yours be, Andrew? Let me think. I already have a gimmick, Jess. What is it? Okay. Oh, do I not? Um, Maybe I, I shouldn't know. be here for the rest of this conversation. <laughs> I do something with cheese. Oh. <laughs> okay. When in doubt, right. cheese. What about you, Christina? What would your oh, gimmick well, be? I think it would be something about how I would just talk in 25 different voices. I think that probably yeah, would she, be... She went on Ellen for her gimmick. I, mean, <laughs> I think we're going to play into that one right there. I think that'd be, that'd be my gimmick, yeah. I'm going to strip, but I'm going to strip as Liza Minnelli. And Christine <laughs> Chenoweth. And as Liza Minnelli. And as Julie Andrews. Now, Julie Andrews doing You Gotta Get a Gimmick would be really, really good. I remember when I was in, um, when I was in Forbidden Broadway... That was the number that they had. It wasn't just for Gypsy. It was a number. They used this song, You Gotta Have a Gimmick, um, when Avenue Q came out and when Lion King was out. And it was You Gotta Have a Puppet. And because all the shows had some puppets and Little Shop of Forest came in and they would rotate the third because because Avenue Q and um, Lion King were running forever and ever. They would rotate the third. And finally... Finally, Gypsy came back on Broadway. So they put in the Louise track, Holding Her Little Lamb. <laughs> it was like, you got to get a puppet. It was so silly. And that's what I had to do in the show. And um, it's just funny. That song just keeps going and you can use it different ways. But I remember the audience would always just laugh and sing along. It makes everybody so happy. And of course, Forbidden Broadway, you know, uh, Gerard Alessandrini wrote some very clever parody lyrics. But it's that it's that great Julie Stein score that everybody knows that makes them laugh. And if it wasn't for me, then where would you be, There's nothing bad about this show. There is not a single like bad thing about it, aside from its name being a uh, unfortunate misnomer. Yeah, and again, named after a person, so you really can't do anything with that one. I think that um, you know a lot of some of my favorite musicals um, don't have quote unquote the the traditional American musical theater like trifecta has to have some great dancing and great singing and comedy and, like and great singing and comedy and drama like those those um shows like My Fair Lady and the Rodgers and Hammerstein shows, there's a healthy balance of levity and comedy built in with the drama. And so with Gypsy, it can, obviously the first act is a little more light, um, but you know you have to have those comedic moments thrown in and it gives you the dancing, it gives you the singing, it gives you the comedy and the tragedy. And I think that's why it's, well, obviously one of the reasons it's considered one of the greatest American musicals. But the book is so strong, the story itself is so strong that it you don't need it to even be a musical. You don't need the dancing. You don't need it. But of course, as we know, everything is is so um, beautifully heightened and all the, the true intensity comes out when you put that text to music. 
I think we nailed it. I think that was it. That was that was it right there. <laughs> yeah. Let's frame that on the wall. Let's let's. I do try. I do try. No, I'm just a fan. I mean, that's the thing is I love musical theater and I love and I love these traditional scores and I love those those real big quote unquote diva roles. I mean, they they're iconic and and they're lasting and even the 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 kids just getting into music theater today, they, they know all of these shows and all of these songs and they have to, it's like, it's musical theater education. I mean, yeah, I, Gypsy is the one musical that is classic musical theater that I think is timeless forever. It still works today. Uh, Whereas you got things like Oklahoma, which, uh, the dream ballet kind of throws you off a little bit and carousel, um, the domestic violence, like, Supply is a little odd. <laughs> yeah, South Pacific, very much. You know, it's like all these, but all you know what everything is. Everything comes full circle because now we watch those shows and we really notice those those themes that are still popping up today with with tolerance and and you know abuse and everything and like the Me Too movement and so so many of these shows um, are even more I think interesting to watch now and that's why I think so many of the productions. Um, try to find different ways to um, interpret them and modernize them, you know, so it's, it's no, it's no surprise that Gypsy keeps getting done and done and done in new different ways. So Christina. Yes. Are, are you ready to do what we promised at the beginning of this show? I love we promised this like a little while ago and I have to spontaneously figure out how to do it, but that's it. I like a challenge. I like doing things on the spot. We're going to make this mm-hmm. work. Uh, What's happening? I, um, uh, she's about to sing thing. Rosa's turn for us. Not the whole, the whole thing. No, Not no. the whole okay, thing. Okay, I was Not gonna say thing. that's that's gonna so, be pretty hard. That will hopefully be a, a YouTube video coming soon to your to your computer or, or mobile device. Um, this will I be really, a preview. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, sorry I lied to everyone. I didn't know this was actually happening. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna try to figure this out. So, um, <laughs> Bette Midler would start, I think, with, um, I had a dream, I dreamed it for you, June. (laughs) It wasn't for me, Herbie. What are the lyrics? And if it wasn't for me, then where would you be, Miss Gypsy Rosalie? (laughs) And my favorite part of Bernadette Peters is when she goes, Someone tell me when is it my turn? Don't I get a dream for myself? Starting now, it's gonna be my turn. Gag my world, get off on my runway. Patty LaPone. Starting now, Everything's coming up roses. Everything's coming up roses this time for me. Julie Andrews. <laughs> and then um maybe Celine Dion for me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That uh, and Gina Menzel <laughs> like uh, defying gravity ah at the end. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you have to. I'm me. Yeah. Perfect. That was. That's the definitive version. We took all the best parts from the other ones. Yes, um, ladies and gentlemen. So. This is why people rehearse. This is why people rehearse. But I, I think she for killed you it, gentlemen. Today, <laughs> I think that was, that was amazing. Was... Wait, wait. <laughs> that was definitely some cheese for the musicals with cheese podcast. I feel really good about my contribution. That I, there's no more cheese we can add. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, guys, we're getting close to the end of the episode. As sad Jess, as that is, wait, Jess, what's your favorite song from this? You didn't uh, tell the people. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's Rose's turn. Like I, I didn't ask because that's the obvious answer. Is the sad thing? Uh, no, it's not. It's not sad. It's just you know. It's that moment. It's so exciting when you wait a whole show to hear that song. It's such a you boring pick, Jess. No. It is. <laughs> Nothing's boring. Nothing's boring. I mean, Little Lamb is technically boring. But I what about you, Andrew? <laughs> Prove to me that what you're is, not boring. What is my favorite song? Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Goldstone, I Love You is a great song. I love it. <laughs> Have an egg roll. That's so funny. That's great. I love it. Oh. Have a goldstone, Mr. Mr. Egg roll. <laughs> so many what about you, songs. Christina? Um, it's, it's, again, it's really hard to pick, but I like, um, I like Small World. Nobody ever mentions that one, but that's a really beautiful song. When, when she sings that, 
to Herbie. Oh, it's just those lyrics kill me. Again, not what you'd expect, but every time I hear it, it just n- knocks me out. I love it. Funny, you're a man who goes traveling rather than settling down. Funny, cause I'd love to go traveling small world. See, Jess, that's a quality pick. Well, I love that song, too. But I like it when, like, the older women do it, because it kind of is like when your mom's trying to be sexy. It's like, funny, I'm a man without children. Oh, my gosh. Now I'll never hear the song the same way again. Jess. I mean, it does. Well, it's- do you know what your mom is like when she's trying to be sexy? <laughs> like, yeah, see? Well, I mean, it is that cringeworthy thing where it's like they're trying to be like alluring. It's like what it would probably be like to see your mama like want to be a star. Well, it works. I mean, he gets wrapped around her finger, so it, it totally works. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a good song. Fair enough. I mean, that's kind of where we fall in love with Rose because it's like the moment when she's like vulnerable, being charming and vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she knows what she wants, but she's she she's vulnerable when she's, you know, trying to achieve it. So it's great. Selectively vulnerable. Yeah, like most humans. Probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah. should have just kept selling candy, honestly. <laughs> Think of the adventure he had. See, I'm a sucker for it. He loves it. He lives for the adventure and the danger. He doesn't love it. He should have just sold candy. He likes being a martyr. See, this is where we just disagree. <laughs> Wherever Uh, all right, folks, what is your overall thoughts on Gypsy? Christina, you start. Oh, my gosh, I have to summarize? Yeah. Oh, no. I feel like I've said way too much. Listen, I think that it, uh, it no matter what production of Gypsy you're seeing with whoever playing Rose, I think that the, the show is so nuanced and so layered and so beautifully shows the complexity of the human spirit that you're always going to find something new in it. Uh, And that's why I think it's a really, really lasting show that will always be classic and always be done and never let us down. And there's always, always room for a new Mama Rose. That's my summary. It could even be you. You'd be a much better Herbie. Andrew, what is your overall thoughts on Chipsy? (laughs) Um, well, it, I mean, being the one time I've seen it, it was really good. <laughs> it's one of the best things I've watched for this show. Well, really? that's, that's not small. That's not a small thing. Is it above no. or below Sweeney Todd? Because that was your number one for oh, a long time. Which Sweeney Todd did you yeah, make? That watch? was number one for a little while. It's hard to rate them anymore because there's so many. Um, but I'm going to put it in the top. It's, it's, it's in the top tier. <laughs> I think I just like almost everything we've seen that Sondheim has been involved in, so... I might be a sucker for him. Okay. Which I'm sounds not... wrong. It doesn't no. sound right. That is good. That is <laughs> But good. it's fine. That is like the pretentious theater kid thing to say, though, is the thing. I Not a pretentious theater kid, though. I've never shot <laughs> any theater like but that. But I so. kind of do as well. So uh, that's, the, that's the ending note, ladies and gentlemen. We're all Sondheim snobs here. <laughs> Except for Assassins. That one sucked. <gasps> I love it so much. <laughs> Let's end this before I start yelling at him. Let's pull out the frogs and talk about how much we all love the frogs. (laughs) What's the frogs? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Okay. Or Evening Primrose. How about we pull that one out? Beautiful, beautiful music from Evening Primrose. I'm not going to get started, gentlemen. Or Bounce. It's over. You want to talk about Dick Tracy? I love Dick Tracy. Sooner or later, kids. Sooner or later. So... What is your cheese rating, Andrew, so we can set it up for Christina to give us hers? Oh, God. How do I pick a cheese for this? I mean, pretty much all cheese would work. There's a cow in the show, right? I don't know how to give this one a cheese rating, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass for right now. I want to hear what Jess has to say, because he always picks the best one. I've already got my cheese. All right, Christina, what is your cheese rating? Yeah, why don't you go first? Well, considering that my two of the most iconic in my time, Mama Rose's, uh, Bernadette Peters and Patty Lapone 
are of Italian descent, I'm choosing an Italian Ooh. cheese that has That's, a nice mm. bit of, of sweetness and a sharp, bittery edge. It's an Asiago. See, I oh, like it. It's not, too, it's not too hard, not too soft. It's that's good, good when it's eaten in chunks, good when it's grated, and I feel like that that sprinkle of something for everybody is what Gypsy has, a little bite to it. How is that that's, for a cheese? Boom. That was excellent. That was excellent. I did well. I, and you have to yeah. pop my Asiago now, sir. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick three cheese Italian blend. <laughs> for the Benanti, the Lapone, and the Bernadette. Yes. Okay. You know what? There's really good. You got the Benanti in there. You win. That's good. All right. Jess, what do you have? I'm just going to pick Parmesan because you just put oh. it with everything and it's wonderful. <sighs> oh, my God. Cop out. Of, of all the my dog, times. My dog actually responded to that. He he's upset. A, a Jess, of all the times you're just going to get lazy on us, <laughs> this is the one. It's because he couldn't top my Asiago. It's all I right. couldn't. I forget. That was his pick. That was his pick, I bet. <laughs> it was. I'm not going to lie. It's bad. Um, all right, guys. That was a fun show. Christina, we were so, we had so much fun. Is there things you want to promote so that people can, like, find more of your stuff? Oh, my goodness. Well, sure. Um, no, it's fine. I, I perform all over the world and all over the country, uh, the United States, and my website, uh, ChristinaBianca.com, will have all that information about my upcoming concerts and appearances. Um, and if you would like to listen to listened, mm, maybe I should take a moment. If you would like to listen to me. I did release my very first live album last year. It's called Life of the Party, and uh, it is available on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, all that good stuff. And it's a traditional live concert, very much a throwback to the old concerts of like Judy Garland and Sammy Davis Jr., where you hear all of the patter and all the dialogue. So it's um, it's really great. If you listen to it, you should feel like you're at the concert. I'm very proud of it. And so hopefully uh, you guys will enjoy that as well. Mm -hmm. oh, I can speak from experience like, that it is my happy album whenever oh. I'm having a bad day at work. And it I, is a wonderful album. Thank you. I should say, I should tell the listeners who know nothing about me that the, the, the concert is half my own voice, half impression. So you'll hear lovely, heartfelt moments in my own voice and also things like, you know, Liza Minnelli singing Live in La Vida Loca. So there's something for everybody, just like Gypsy. Mm -hmm. uh, Christina, one more thing before I start shilling our own stuff. <laughs> Not related to anything else. Might get oh cut boy. out of the episode, but oh boy, uh -oh. I know that you have a history with Dora the Explorer. I do. And I'm curious as to your opinion on the new trailer, and I would like to know your interpretation of Dora's opinion on the new Dora. Okay, so... If you want to hear Dora the Explorer talk about the new one, then she would probably say, I don't know why they didn't have her talk like me. And that's basically <laughs> all I can do. Dora, Dora, Dora the Explorer. <laughs> okay. I need your help. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. I can't. Dora, super cool, Explorer Dora. I don't for, even know how this is. For context, <laughs> uh, Chris, Christina was on the touring production of Dora the Explorer Live, where she played Dora. I was the original, the original the Dora. The OG Dora. The original, yeah, I know. I mean, I played Radio City Musical. It was like the coolest thing ever. It, and it was like, listen, I just can never wear orange shorts again, but it's all going to be fun. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, at Musicals with Cheese. Follow Follow us on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals. We have a Patreon if you want to throw us a couple dollars every episode. Like, just go over there to Musicals with Cheese. Follow us on Instagram at Musicals with Cheese. We have a YouTube page at Musical Theater Lives. Shoot us an email at MusicalTheaterLives at gmail.com. Our amazing title card is created by Jolene Casco. Follow her on Instagram at Jolene Casco. <laughs> All right, you guys. That was a lot of fun. I know Christina has got somewhere she's got to be, and we're just making the time. So, Let's wrap it all up. We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Bye. Bye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.